Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Lucas Berry, joined by the one, the only, Sedanus Berry Jr., and back for another week here on the program, Mr. Josh Elder. Gentlemen, welcome into the program today. Hello. Hello, hello. So, let's, so gentlemen, let's get right into this. Let's start talking about some of the big news in the NFL. Uh, the biggest news pertains to Darren Lifestein. Josh might want to sit this one out. Uh, it's the Patriots reportedly, not officially yet, but reportedly bringing back Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator to replace Matt Patricia, who, if you remember reports from a few weeks ago, would be reassigned on the Patriots staff. He wouldn't be fired, but he would be reassigned. Same thing with Joe Judge. So, Darren, what says you on Billy O'Brien coming back into the fold? Um, thank you. That's what everyone's been calling for. Uh, I mean, literally since last year. He should have been here uh, this whole season. Uh, You've got someone who's already established in the program. We already know how he he works. Obviously, Belichick's already familiar with him. Uh, He he was here in a period of some of the most high-powered offenses the, the team has ever seen. Uh, and he's fresh out of two quite, you know, uh, quite successful seasons at Alabama. Um, and that also, despite Mac not being directly coached by him because they're the same program that benefits Mac a hell of a lot. They actually did work together a little bit. As Mac was leaving, Billy O was coming in. They did kind of talk a little bit about how they want to, like, how often it should be run. So there is a relationship there. It's not, hey, you know Nick Saban? Yeah, I know Nick Saban. Okay, great. We both know Nick Saban. It's not that. They actually do have a little bit of history together. And I'm with you. I'm thrilled by this. I won it last year, didn't get it. Oh, by the way, Bill O'Brien's probably the most successful of the, of the Belichick's Patriots coaching tree. Remember, took over an imposter situation at Penn State, won. Took over the Houston Texans, won, before the organization went straight to the tube and became the next Cleveland Browns, while the Browns are still being the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so you're getting someone who has that pedigree, who has that experience, and like you said, oh, by the way, his offenses generally do pretty well. Mm-hmm. And Matt Patricia's offenses, by comparison, do not. So I, I can't wait to see what Billy O has cooked for this year. And I, I get a feel like the Pete, to me, I think this offense is one more, the like, real number one receiver and a, a confident offense coordinator away from being that guy. To me, that offense. I don't know if we'll get the receiver, but we've got the offensive coordinator now. And. Um. I'll just add one little thing to it. It uh, it also shows that Belichick needs somebody that he can't count on at, as an OC and that he can't do everything himself. So, you know, mm-hmm. how, how, however you want to skin that cat, that, that's what I think. It just shows that Bill can't do everything by himself and he needs somebody that he can actually rely on as, as OC. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because Belichick actually was more involved with the offense this past season than he had been probably in his whole career as Patriots head coach. And look where it got him. 
Yeah. No need to no need to do that. Billy Billy can run his own meeting. Exactly. Speaking of high powered offenses, the Green Bay Packers were once a high powered offense with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. That is no longer the case now. Uh but there are reports that suggest that there is a real chance, and, and some may have heard this before, but there's actually a real chance now that Aaron Rodgers gets traded this offseason. So say reports. My question to you two is this. Kind of a two-parter. Actually, three-parter. Do you believe he will get traded? And if so, where? And what would you give up to get him? Who, who, who's going first, me or Darren? I don't care. If you've got something, go ahead. Well, you know, I think there is a chance of Rodgers being traded, but it's, you know, more of a slim one. And I also I think there was a report that it would be to an AFC-only team, which that really just cuts out to, like, the Raiders, the Jets, and the Colts to be front runners because they definitely need a better QB. But also – just to add more fire to the offseason of Aaron Rodgers, like how it is every year, Aaron also said uh, on the uh, Pat McAfee show that he would uh, be willing to restructure his deal to either stay at Green Bay or to go somewhere else. Like, he would take less money to, I guess, they just keep on playing ball. Mm-hmm. In that interview, we also said that if, if the competitive – like if the, if I if I don't feel like we're competitive, I feel like I need to go somewhere else to be competitive. I hope Packers fans understand, and there'd be a lot of gratefulness and gratitude about our time there. So yes, he did say that, but also it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's Aaron yeah. Rodgers. So the question is, do you believe him? Yeah. the the, the biggest part about, uh, I, I I would say in its own way, the openness to rework his contract. Is 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 twofold, and they're both opposite folds. The one fold being, I'm willing to take less money to stay here, or I'm willing to take less money so that you aren't hit it with as much of a salary cap hit when you trade me. Because right now they would be stuck with a ton of dead money if they traded him. If they don't rework the contract, let's get a number on that, shall we? I think we shall. Over the cap. The Green Bay Packers. Oh, look, it came up right there. That and the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, the dead cap, if he is if he is traded before June 1st, is 40 million, 40.3 million. Ooh, huh. But then over the cap savings of 8.6 million. Jeez. A lot of money. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of just what the Packers cap situation is in general. The Packers currently have, they're currently $16 million over the projected salary cap. Ooh, yeah. So, I mean, if they want to get rid of him in any way, they're going to have to rework that contract. Uh Uh-huh. So let me like the, the question comes back. If he does get traded, where does he go, and what would you give up for him, Darren? 
where he would go, I truly don't know. I mean, someone will take him. Some someone will get go for him. Will go, or, you know. I, I I'm not sure who it would be. Um, I I think I agree. What you said? What was it? Indy, the Raiders, and the Jets were out. I would agree that the Jets would be out because got the, there's effectively no weapons there. He would he wouldn't want to be there. Annapolis is effectively the same situation. The only thing going for the Raiders' offense is oh look, there's Devonte Adams again. Uh, so that would be the most That's of the th- of those three. Thing, though. Yeah, yeah, of those three options, that is certainly the most tempting option. Plus, you've got this. yeah. The Raiders didn't have the money to fire Josh McDaniels. It's just allowed the money to pay Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. That that's the that's the that's the bigger thing, um, and that's before we even know the you know if there was a structure would look like. Um, so I I feel like I yeah I agree in that those three teams were probably out from the bat because. They either can't afford him, or Rogers wouldn't want to go there anyway because he he understands the complete ineptitude of the offenses. Can we just point uh, this out for a second? That Zach Wilson was asked about if what happens if the Jets bring in someone else. He said, "I'm going to make his life a living hell." Can you imagine Zach Wilson trying to talk shit to Aaron Rodgers? Do, it's like, what what are you going to do? Sleep with his mother? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's like if things are to be to be believed, that's about the only thing you can do because you ain't making anyone's life hell, other than yours being an entire meme at this point. Uh, no, Zach Wilson isn't gonna make a a, a crying baby's life hell. Um, he is one hundred percent not intimidating and shouldn't be to anybody. <laughs> uh, man. That's <laughs> the yeah. fact that he has the now, like there's a there's a level of arrogance that's okay. That's just stupid. Uh, yeah, uh, but in, back in terms in terms of the team looking for him, what I would give up for him. Um, I mean, let's be real. We've said it multiple times with a bunch of people there were teams stupid enough to give up multiple first round picks and the ones that will be, would be stupid enough. He wouldn't go to anyway. Again, uh, I, if it were actually me, if I was just basing it off of this, this season's effectiveness and nothing else, that's extremely narrowing it, of course, and making it too easy to, to make fun of. Uh, maybe a third and a fourth rounder. Yeah, the Packers want multiple first round. Picks. Um, someone will be stupid enough to do that, for sure. Uh, the thing, the thing is, I you're still giving up that for an aging quarterback who's already multiple times in a row been toying with the idea of retiring right he's like he's already effectively checked out this season was just the beginning he he's 39 Mm -hmm. who would make who who would like really 
He's got two years left on his current contract. So let's say they keep the length of the deal, but they but they restructure it to where he gets paid more, like in signing bonuses or something like that. Let's just say they rework it to where it's oh, okay. It's not the albatross of a contract that it is now. We can move him. Who, who in their right mind would trade multiple first round picks, mortgage the future of a franchise? Mm-hmm. For two years yeah. at best. Because let's let's be real, the the only teams that would be willing to do that are the ones that can't afford it. That that shouldn't, because well, well, they they, let, they need those. Let me. Uh, they need those me, that future. Let me float one out here for you. Tampa. Let's say Brady leaves, whether it be a Fox or to somewhere else. If you're the Bucks, would you call the Packers? Not for two first round picks, no. You, you, you've already shown that with the greatest quarterback in NFL history, you could barely scrape by the NFC South. And now you want to you want to consider two, multiple first round picks for a quarterback who couldn't even get out of his own crappy division. <laughs> like, no, N- no, <laughs> they would they would get obliterated and. That's simply. Hey, they took our quarterback away. By God, we should be rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' downfall. Uh, you know, you know that. I, I I do not disagree. I do not disagree with this. Uh, so yes, by all means, please do it. Um, but in all in all reality, it would be an absolutely ridiculously m- mentally deficient decision. Uh, you like it, it would be a very very dumb decision. Uh, because the, the biggest thing is that you're you're hinging, you're you're playing the short game. When at this point, it is the teams that are st- that are building the long game that are being the most successful. Stares at Cincinnati Bengals. They, they, they've got and, multiple of their stores on rookie contracts and they're looking at and they're at their second straight AFC title game, quite possibly their second straight Super Bowl. You've got Mahomes, who was very successful in his rookie contract and earned a big contract. They had, you know, young stars and are to still the, to the point powerful. where they, they, they literally could go, yeah, we're not going to pay Tyreek Hill and they're still good. Yes. Yeah, they, they had a, a little bit of a struggle with that for, for a minute, but they got right back into it. They were like, oh, wait, what's a Tyreek Hill? Who's that? Yeah. Uh, oh, he's so not it, You don't know who his quarterback is this week. Yeah. It's like the theme <laughs> The theme right now, in, in the right heel right now, is building for the long term with the young players on their cheap contracts and building a team around that. That's well, what's me... being successful. Let me let me let me throw something in your face with that. Who's the Super Bowl champion right now? Yes, the Rams, but who also <laughs> turned around and failed immediately. <laughs> I know, and I love that. Yeah, I, like, I, I, I sat on this show and criticized them for doing that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, but I'm and just it's, saying it's, it's very proven that like, short term does win championships. Yeah. But long term, if you want to stay relevant, to to the point where I got the ring. Where your coach isn't turning around and saying, "I don't know if I want to be back after a hard, after a one hard year," and telling your coaches, "Hey, you guys can find new jobs if you want," and then turning back around three days later, said, "Ah, you know what? I'm back. 
like Yes, the the name of the game is chasing chasing championships, but if you want to chase a bunch of championships, you got to play the long game. And apparently McVeigh doesn't want to do that. I got a feeling McVeigh is going to be the next John Madden. He's going to be in the league for a few years and he's going to say I'm out and then he's going to go do something he gets known for a lot more than he does coaching the coaching the Rams. Man, it's possible. I mean, he's got he he's Certainly doesn't have the personality of John Madden, but he's he's got the personality that could lead him to to do such a thing. I just know he can't be an in-game broadcaster. He doesn't shut up. He needs to be in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be talking about the. He'll be he'll be busy explaining something, and they'll be like three plays later. <laughs> he talks fast, but he goes on. It's just like Sean. Yeah, one play at a time. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right, we're good. Mm-hmm. And we're good now. So. Yeah. <sighs> Josh, what would you give up for? For AA Ron? Yes. Oh shit, let me think. Well, I mean you can't do much worse than what Denver did. For Russell Wilson in Seattle. <laughs> um, oh, hell, I don't know. I'm trying to think. If I was a team that was in, in a struggle, I I feel like I would trade off a decent player, not like my star player, but, you know, like one that's good, but not like, oh, hey, if I if, if I lose him, there goes me ever winning a game. Mm-hmm. So like kinda like how when Pittsburgh got rid of uh oh hell. Um Smith Schuster? Uh, no, no oh, uh, um Oh wait. Chase uh Claypool. Yeah, like, Claypool. Yeah. Like honestly he left and Pittsburgh's done better since he's mm-hmm. left. So, you know, get rid of a player like that and um Maybe a first round pick and a, and a second round pitch of like you know the next whatever whatever draft would were to follow, mm-hmm. and then like maybe like a third round pick the, the following year or something like that. So a couple picks and and like a and and a player trade. Yeah, like effectively, a, yeah. like a like a B plus player or like a like a C plus B minus player. The Packers would probably take that. Uh, I know they would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think b- based on on that, like it would have to be a team just looking to play the short game real quick, figure out what their capital is after that, and go with it. But like you, you would have to get just some late round, a couple late round picks, and then yeah, like I could, I went with I went with mid round kind of, you know, with th- a third and a fourth round. But have, yeah, I think. Can, can you imagine how ESPN would frame it if Roger if a fifth round pick? The six-round pick is involved in Aaron Rodgers' trade. <laughs> Can you imagine the three of them? There would be people crying that he's been disrespected for like a week. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. They would call out literally yeah. every NFL analyst they like, have on the payroll. Yeah. And they would just tell like, them the exact same thing. The, 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 other, the other big problem with, in general, picking him up is that 
at this point, it's very clearly to, became a me, me, me game to Aaron Rodgers. Just see his comments that Gronk subsequently turned around and said, what the hell are you talking about MVPs for? Like, it's clear he's only ch- he's only chasing personal accolades at this point. So you have to be, you basically have to be fine with whatever personal accolade he wants and hoping that gets you as a team somewhere. I was going to say, for, if he for, for MVP, a year or two. again, you're probably all right. But yeah. again... Well, if you, you you might be all right in that you'll make it to the championship game and lose, but at least you made it, huh? <laughs> hey! We haven't been like, what's the chance? Oh, wait, we can play wait football. A minute. Wait, what? Like, wait a second, this uh, exists? Wait, what? I'm used to being a... out in the Bahamas by this point. Yeah, yeah really, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing here in January? Uh... All right, boys. Moving on to the playoffs. Let's playoffs? Start no. Uh, actually, in this case, yes. Let's start in Kansas City, where the Chiefs beat the Jaguars 27-20. As the Jaguars kicked a late field goal to get it to a seven-point game. It was really a 10-point game pretty much regardless of the whole game. Uh, biggest, story, biggest story is Patrick Mahomes' anchor. We'll get to that in a second. What do you think about the game? And then we'll go to his ankle. Derek. I mean, I, I was I was actually surprised that it, it stayed relatively close. Um the I mean I was also um like it was trying to fi- figure out how I'm wording it. Uh, I guess it, it, it at it, it's in a way solidified that Jacksonville is gonna mean business, and whether whether we whether we like it or not, they you know something's going in the right direction there. Um, it wasn't the prettiest outing for Lawrence, but it's it still it was. He did what he needed to do. ETN did what he needed to do and kept him in. It was more so a matter of, you know, the small mistakes, throwing an interception, uh, things of that sort. But the fact that you still managed to put 20 points against, you know, a, gen- a generally decent, you know, upper, you know, lower upper tier uh, 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 Kansas City defense. That that says something, uh, despite you know facing a injured at Mahomes. Dang it, if he didn't will himself to 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 doing something, and I, that I give it to him. I think it was stupid that he was playing, but I'll give it to him for for willing his team. Josh, how about the game? Oh uh, well, I watched most of. It. I was really hoping Jacksonville was going to pull it off because he. Anytime Kansas City loses, I'm I'm fairly content. Um, Same, yeah. I'm actually kind of I'm I'm surprised that Patrick came back in that game with his ankle the way it was. I mean, granted, it wasn't horrible. Like I've seen footage from I think today, yeah, from today where he's already kind of skipping around and running around in practice. So, so I, I'm sure he'll start this weekend. Um, 
No, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good a good game. I feel like Jacksonville was a few plays away from me either tying it up or obviously winning it in regular in regular time. Um, I would have loved it if they would have. That'd been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I did I, I not sit here last week and call? I said this game's going to be close. The Jaguars, when they went out there in Week Ten, did not get out late. Like massively, it was not. I watched that game, and I was impressed with what the Jaguars were doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it would be a closer game. And Josh is right; it was only a few plays that could have decided this game. Like it, it yeah. really was a classic football, a classic playoff game that could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, the biggest part were those two Jacksonville turnovers. Other than that, total yards were basically identical. First downs were basically identical. And because of the two turnovers, Kansas City had more possession time. But take away those two turnovers, and who knows where that would have went. Exactly. So let's talk about that, the most popular ankle in the world right now. (laughs) That $450 million ankle. Yes. Unless there's some soccer player that has an injury or ankle injury right now that I don't know about. <laughs> uh, so, Josh said he uh, thinks he'll play on on Sunday. I'm assuming, Darren, you agree? I, I don't think he should, but I, given that it's playoff football and, and Pat Mahomes, and I, I believe he will. I still I, think it's stupid, but... I'm with you. Let's circle back to the game. Because... I I was I, I was screaming with my dad and we were watching the game and I'm like and we were both like why is he going back in this game mm-hmm. and and it wasn't just a health it was health and had had he just let a 98 yard touchdown drive like, this <laughs> offense is fine exactly I mean that... I was just gonna say at least it wasn't a concussion yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I will. I mean, I'm sure y'all get why why I'm saying that. Uh huh. Yeah, we get it. Mm-hmm. Let us move on then to the NFC game on Saturday. Uh, this game was over before it started. Eagles <laughs> whipped the Giants. Yeah. Who here, who here is? Uh, I can't see y'all, but I'm just gonna assume you're both gonna raise your hand. Let's so raise your hand if you saw this coming. I did. I expected the. I, I frankly, I, I figured they would win. I, I thought it would be closer, to be honest, given that the, the previous encounters between the two were relatively close. Uh, well, nope. Uh, not at all. Uh, quite honestly, I was kind of surprised the Eagles went in there and scored as much as they did and kept. The Giants, what's like seven, seven or ten points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like honestly, I thought that game was gonna be kind of like the Kansas City Jaguars game, and honestly, I thought the Giants were gonna end up on top. Um, just for just just because I just want to mention it anyways. So I finally got Madden twenty three, and so of course my team made it to the Super Bowl, but I played the Giants in a Super Bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it was just kind of ironic because in the wild card round, <clears throat> I know I, I know I'm completely going off tangent here, but it, 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 it's it's football, it's worth it. The the Packers and the Bears played each other in the wild card round of my game. I'm just like, that's ironic. 
<laughs> Who won that game? Uh, Packers won like 43 to 3. Uh, Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears. And, but, then, but then I think the Packers lost next week. And then and then I had to play – let me think. I played the Bengals wild card round. I know I played the Bills, but I just can't remember if that was uh, and for the championship game or for the divisional. I think that was for the, the uh, divisional. I, I don't remember who I played mm-hmm. for the conference game. But yeah, it, it was kind of it, it was just kind of comical to see that, and so, I mean, one more thing, and we did, and we can get back on topic here. That just proves that these teams could be halfway decent, because I mean, they because I I use the live rating from all these teams. Mm-hmm. That just proves that a lot of these teams are actually pretty decent. They just either need to find, like, find adjust things or get better coaching. You know, so welcome yeah. to my welcome to me. Every ask Darren, like every year, I call out NFL coaches I don't think should be in the job, and I'm usually right. Just, mm-hmm. just one more thing. Well, uh, I have a question for you, Lucas. Okay. I mean, I know this is nothing we we, we was going to cover about, but what's your thought on Mike Tomlin? I love Mike Tomlin. Okay. I, I am a huge fan of his. I, I've said it before. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the most consistent and well-run organization in professional sports. Every year, you know what you're going to get. It may not <clears> be season? Before, yeah. It may, here's the thing. It may not be a Super Bowl, but you know what you're going to get from the Steelers. You're going to get a team that fights hard and never quits, and they can steal a game or two that you probably don't think they should win. Mm-hmm. And that's just what the Steelers are. Oh, and- it's, it's a fa- it's a fantastically run organization. And and here's the thing, I I I have never I don't I don't condone firing coaches for the most part unless they really need to go. But the the Steelers are the study in if you don't change stuff, people usually figure it out. Too many times, people change. And I'm going to give an example since you're going off on the tangent dust. I'm going on tangent as well. Darren, I think you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite soccer team, Everson, in the Premier League, fired their manager uh, this week. He'd been in the job for a little under a year. And uh, this is the – since 27, since 2013, there have been, let's see, Roberto Martinez, uh, Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce. Marco Silva, Carlo Ancelotti. They've been like, Frank Lampard, there's been like seven managers in the last 10 years at the club. They, they get fired on a whim. And it's just like, we have the most cobbled together squad in the league. Because every year <clears> it's the same cycle. New manager comes in, buys the player he players he wants. He gets sacked or leaves in a year. Rinse, rinse, rinse lather, repeat. And there's no wonder the club may well lose its Premier League status for the first time since the 1950s because it's so poorly run. If you keep people in their job and you let them develop a culture, let them develop what Mike, Tom- Mike Tomlin says, the standard is the standard. That's the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. And they win because of it. I know the Steelers are going to be good. 
I don't know how good, but I know they're not going to suck. I can pens- I can put that in ink every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even when they started off the season looking like it was going to be a sucky season, they toned it around and salvaged what they could and made you look at, hey, it's still Mike Tomlin at the helm. I still know what the hell I'm doing. This team ain't going down without a fight. See you next season. They had a chance of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If the Dolphins had lost, they would have been in the playoffs. I wish the Dolphins they, still would have lost. They got what they needed out of the Patriots. And they killed the Browns. <clears throat> if the Dolph- if the Jets had had an offensive line against the Dolphins, they probably would have won that game. And the Steelers would have been in the playoffs, going to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um. Hell, I just had something I just forgot. Um. Damn it. Oh, it's still like I, I told my brother Pittsburgh season. He's like, nah, I don't know. And what do they do? They win the last five games of the season. And I mean, I don't know. Like you, <clears throat> one, one more thing, then we can get back on track. Um, Pittsburgh, in my opinion, and you can, I can probably actually pull up stats on this, is the best team in the league over the last 30, 40, 50 years. Oh, yeah. yeah. But like, when you only have three head coaches in 50 years, you're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Right? Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. All of them want to have won a Super Bowl. Yep. Con- consistent coaching is, is typically one of the big keys to success. <laughs> Let's circle back. Speaking of a, of consistent coaches, the Bengals could have fired Zach Taylor when things didn't go well with Joe Burrow as first season. They didn't, and look where it paid off. They go into Buffalo <clears throat> and absolutely rout the Bills, twenty-seven to ten. It really wasn't even that close. Nope. So, should I be more impressed with the Bengals going in there and winning? Or should I or concerned the Bills got out tough in the snow in Buffalo mm-hmm. by a Bengals team that had three backup offensive linemen playing? It it, it should it should definitely be a Buffalo Bills Welly because it's cons- it's been the consistent story. We're coming into the season excited about what Buffalo can do. Don't get me wrong, they did some good stuff. Uh and they 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 are early Super Bowl contenders. They are early Super Bowl contenders, and they they can do it. This is their year, and they find ways to throw that in the garbage. I I can't remember the the way they explained it, and I did I I went over it this morning when I was I was looking through my ESPN scroll, but the the biggest thing is that something needs to change in the way they run their offense specifically because and one of the biggest reasons being that you had and uh, in terms of Buffalo Bills uh, of the last couple of years, a horrible red zone offense. Well, 
Allen was making, I think at the beginning of the season, by week seven, he had something like four red zone interceptions. Uh, and one of them, uh, the, the, the the biggest one that comes to mind was the one that lost in the game against Minnesota, uh, which was, I guess, a couple weeks later. I think I'm a little, uh, but uh, I'm trying to remember where that was. That was midway through the season, I guess. That, at that, that was point. like in but, November. But point, November. point being is, he had a t- he had an, an alarming amount of red zone interceptions for anybody, let for a team, let alone a single person. Uh, and he was the 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 additional problem with that. He is next season starting the first year of his extension, his con his new contract, owning him a lot more money, and giving the team. A lot less money to work with, presumably, without seeing, without staring down the numbers of the cap things. I can't imagine a six-year, two hundred thirty-eight million dollar contract leaves you a ton of room per season to go out and get bigger names, like you did with with uh, uh, the the Bills uh, are Diggs. The Bills are currently have the sixth worst salary cap situation. Mm-hmm. They are nineteen point yeah. two over. How, how much are million. they? How much are they indebted to Von Miller? And also, that was a year contract for him, right? Or was it was a multiple year? So, uh, okay. No, he's currently on the. Okay, so Von Miller. Uh, he's a he's a free agent in in twenty twenty eight. Ah, okay. So he that's why he it was a big extension then. So so they are currently paying him. His cap number would be oh lord, if they if they cut him. Before uh, June first, forty point one <laughs> dead money, and his, and the cap goes up twenty one point five million. Ooh. so with a base he, salary of one point three million. Yeah, and and, a and you said salary of fourteen point six. And you said it was a twenty million cap hit for 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 Allen. Uh, I didn't look at Allen. I can go back. Oh, okay. But I can't. Now it's for Von yeah. Miller. Oh no, it was $20 million over. They were basically $20 million over. Yeah, basically. Okay. Josh Can... Allen's base salary is twenty is twenty-seven and a half million. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see here. His if we're in twenty twenty-nine, his contract next year will be base salary of four point one million, eleven point seven million in in a prorated bonus. A guaranteed salary of four point one. Basically, his cap number will be sixteen point three. Yeah, and so, there's no dead money or cap savings. Uh, excuse, oh wait, I'm sorry. That was for this year. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so wrong. His base salary next year is twenty seven and a half million. Mm-hmm. The prorated bonus of eleven point seven. His guaranteed salary is twenty seven and a half million. It's all guaranteed. His salary cap number is thirty nine points. Uh, yeah. Seven seven two million, and if they cut him before, uh, before June first, which they won't, but let's just have fun with it. Yeah, ninety point five million dead money, and the cap goes up fifty point eight million. What? <laughs> I mean, obviously I we know that means <laughs> that I that I want that that that's a that's a number of <laughs> you. Should, but that. <laughs> illustrates the point of you've got all this money sunk into not just him, Von Miller, and I would imagine now sunk into Stefan Diggs, and you 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 have you're working with at this point, like you said, they're over the cap number. 
have money, more weapons to figure things out. Stefan Diggs is cap number is twenty point two million. If Jesus. they cut him for the cut him before June first, it's a forty five point four million dollar yeah. dead money and a twenty five point one million increase in the cap. Yeah. Uh, yes. So see, see. Yeah. Oh don't I'll oh, just don't go ahead. I have I have I just need to say slight breaking news right now, but but I will Oh breaking no if it's it. I was just gonna go yes, that means they're going to have a hard time getting to where they need to go because they can't afford to improve upon what they're at. But let's hear well, the breaking news. Well, this this is for our Carolina Panthers fans that, that listen to our show. Right now, Steve Wilkes and uh, Frank Wright has been confirmed for second in- interviews for the uh, Carolina Panthers head coaching job. Wow. Right. I, I was just scrolling through Facebook and I've seen that. That's, uh, I, I say give it to Steve Wilkes. I do the too. The way he ter- the way he turned that team around and got them playing last year, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, quite honestly, if they whatever Frank would need to become OC, right, right there's your head coach and your offensive coordinator. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't trust David Tepper enough to make that decision. Uh, I don't either. A lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the the uh, Charlotte faithful down here don't really like him that much. And you know what's the most surprising <laughs> thing about him, though? You know where he came from? Where? He was a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really? He's, yes. He saw the most stable and good organization in professional sports. And but you know what? Nah. I'll do it my way. <clears throat> Your way isn't enough. always the best. Just, just saying. Farhad Moshiri, <laughs> take note. He's mm-hmm. like he owns Edmonton FC. Oh, and uh, also uh, the Pittsburgh Maulers, it's the USFL team up there in Pittsburgh. They have changed their colors to yellow and black. So the entire city of Pittsburgh, all their pro teams, I think there's like eight of them, is all yellow and black. And they're playing out of Canton this year. Are they really? Yep, them and I think the Generals are going to be playing. Canton, uh, being hosted by Canton, I think I think it was the Generals. Yeah, uh, I think so. Fun, funnily enough, the the Maulers are the team that that I think the, you also yeah Luke's also that we decided we were following last year uh, when, when the season wait, started. Wait, so wait till I tell Josh why. Because I I I, I am building on this podcast, but I don't think I told Josh. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big baseball fan. And I yeah. used to play a website called Pennant Chase Baseball. Basically, it's simulation baseball. It's sim, sim leagues. And I was in one <clears> many, many years ago called USFL Football. And the team I got assigned to run was the Pittsburgh Maulers. <laughs> nice. So I was like, well, I kind of got to <clears> go <throat> with them now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we did. So so the Pittsburgh Maulers, but like I, I had a reason. And Darren was like, I don't have a reason. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, mine was effectively it's the closest team to me, and also like, but then also not realizing that all the games at that point were going to be played at Atlanta. Then I still aren't that isn't uh, I'm still uh, no, not that close. No, no, oh, not Atlanta, uh, Birmingham. Yeah, sorry. Uh, either way, far enough away from me. Uh, but yeah, most of it was I liked the colors, the name sounded cool, and also it if they played in Pittsburgh, it'd be relatively close. It didn't turn out very well last year, but hey, you know, yeah, yeah, so right. new, 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 <laughs> new, new color, new, new head coach, new everything. 
Mm-hmm. Let's see how it goes. I'm also yeah, excited. Exactly. I'm also excited because uh, Darius Stills is. Wait, no, is he? They or is he at the XFL? I forget now. Either way, I think it's in the yeah, XFL. I think it was the XFL. Yeah. I'm not uh, watching the XFL. No, no. I, I, I wish he would have been. I wish he would have been picked up by the USFL. He'd have a better chance of getting back into the league, frankly. But uh, uh, that's not. That, that's neither here nor there at this point. No. <laughs> okay, so Josh, circling back to the to the, to the NFL, should we be more impressed with the Bengals or more alarmed by what the Bills had happened to them? Um, I say the Bills. And their downfall, because I mean they are a really good team, but like how people were saying that the new Brady versus Manning is going to be Patrick and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. After this year, I don't see that happening. I think it's, I think it's so Joey and Patrick is the Brady versus Manning. I've never once seen that the new Brady Manning was Mahomes and Josh Allen. I've Neither have I. Be Brady uh, Mahomes versus Burrow. Yeah. Neither have I, and that makes me wonder who, what people were thinking. But I had seen multiple things where people were like, listen, if you had Josh Allen above Joey Burrow on your quarterback boards at any point over the last couple of years, that needs to change. Because yeah. clearly the quarterback that is most capable of leading their team to a championship is Joey Burrow. And also he's – it's just straight up how it is. Um, and it's not because he has better weapons. He had Pup Jamar Chase is a god. Let's just be real. Um, yeah. But it's because he's a phenomenal quarterback and he has been since college. And he just, he's, he has that mindset of, I will, I have the goal and I will not stop till I reach it. And that's not to say anything bad about Josh Allen. I, I respect what he's done so far. And I, I don't have anything against him as a person either. He does, He's done some some uh, commendable things out, off the field, which is something you always want to keep track of. But J- Joey Bow is is the guy. And if I had to pick to take me to a championship, it would be him. That's my man. That's my man. Huh. Oh boy, I, I'm with you. And, and look, I saw this after the game, and, and we all know that you know shit talk happens after the game. Social media loves to shit talk. We, we all know that. <laughs> but I, I I hadn't thought about this until I saw this post. But it kind of once I saw, it, I was like, you know what? Got yeah, a pretty good point. I think the Bills guy exposed as being a finesse team. Mm-hmm. Like they 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 are they are the they are the the it looks nice it does all this but they I didn't see a whole lot of toughness on that field and quite frankly I should have it's in the snow it's in Buffalo it's a spot for the ASC championship game on the line you've got to be ready to go more than that and yeah they weren't mm-hmm. and like you said they the, the the biggest worry coming into that game was the fact that they had three backup linemen and we all know that prior to this season the biggest the Achilles heel of that team was the offensive line. That's why Joey Burrow was on the ground the most. I think that's that entire season. I think he was the, the quarterback whose ass was on the ground the most. Yes. Uh, of the, and they still made it to a championship, uh, uh, to a Super Bowl. Uh, 
so the 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 thing that they they wrote on the whole first bit of that game was we're gonna have to see how this this these backup linemen hold up, and I'd say they did a damn good job for themselves. Well, yeah, they did, but I I I'll give credit where it's due. Don't don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But run blocking is always easier than pass blocking. It requires less yeah. technique. Mm-hmm. Pass blocking is you have to have your feet set. You have to have the right technique. And if you don't, you're gonna be on your ass. Run blocking is simply see someone, put someone on their ass. That's run blocking. <laughs> it's very yep. simple to teach. It's fire off and then put someone else on the ground. The Bengals ran the ball incredibly well in that game, and mm-hmm. that's yeah, a lot Joe, of pressure Joe Mixon. off the offensive line. And, and Absolutely, Joe Mixon have, helped them out a lot. Right, and when they did drop back, it was quick passes. It, the Bengals put themselves in a position where that three offensive linemen down wasn't really a major weakness. Yeah, and that's something like I'm giving credit to Buffalo, but it isn't because if you're the Bills, you should have known they probably were going to do that, and yet it didn't look like they did. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was, that was the point where, uh, like, that was coaching chess and Zach Taylor won. Oh, yeah. I mean, he literally won and he also won <laughs> in every other sense of the word. Um, the, they, in every point where there could have been an advantage taken, Zach Taylor goes, hey, hey. Or the coaching staff, you know, the Bengals coaching staff in general goes, hey, look at that. We can exploit that. And what do they do? They force a turnover in big moments. They they stymie a team in their own home field in in the pouring snow where Buffalo shouldn't have a single damn problem. Uh, it was just outmatched, outclassed, and they put them in their place. Had a score to settle. For no, for for not even with the team, they just said you guys are writing us off because Buffalo has the story, and that's no disrespect to Demar Hamlin, uh, but people were writing that story hard, and we got something to say about it. Right, it's like uh, who's the defending AFC champion? It's not you. It's not. I can't, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. So never write us off. Mm-hmm. And the important part. Good. When you got Joe Burrow saying that the, the championship window is always open as long as I'm playing, you can't not have a like. Come on, yeah, you gotta have that edge, right? Like you can't say that and then lay an egg in Buffalo. Exactly, and the the biggest thing for me in the entire game was the there wasn't a sense of. This just goes. This is just a, a, you know a testament to both teams. There wasn't a sense of you didn't get that that feeling, despite everything I just described about Bengals having the chip on their shoulder. You didn't get that feeling on the field with how they 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 treated each other. Like they had both teams had, from what I could tell, the utmost respect for each other on that field. And oh, absolutely. And if, if nothing else, like that, it's in itself makes a great game because. They was they respected what the the capabilities and they respect each other. It, it, on top of the fact that they just both they also both went through that same tragedy together, so you could you could feel in general the 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 competitive respect and the, the personal respect on that field. And that just that the vibe from the game in general, taking nothing else out of it, was just that. And, and that, in my opinion, outside of 
being happy that the Bengals beat the Bills and we don't have to hear from the Bills for another, you know, a few months was that that's what you should see in a football game in terms of gamesmanship. Agreed, 100%. Josh? Oh, sorry. I'm in my my little world tonight, guys. (laughs) All right, we're moving on then. To the last game of the weekend, uh, the Cowboys are out of the playoffs. Thank God. Who is surprised? I am so happy. That game I did watch. Mm -hmm. I I did too. I did too. Uh, they they kind of kept it close, and I didn't think they would. But yeah. So here here's my question. <clears throat> Obviously, they lost, so there can't be too much impressive about it. <laughs> but is it impressive that they kept it that close, or is it time to start maybe thinking the Niners aren't as good as we think they are? Because they did because they didn't blow the Cowboys out. Yeah. <laughs> I I I. I wouldn't say that at all because the defense did what the defense ha- has known been known to do all year is smother you. Um, and that's what they just did. Ask Zeke. Just ask Zeke. He literally in terms of the, what the hell was that call? And also he had 26 yards on 10 carries and he was still the team's leading rusher. Uh, and now Pollard also obviously exited. I don't remember how early that was, but I think it was in the uh, late second quarter. Yeah, but he didn't rack up that many either. They they had answers to everything, so much so that they had Dak Prescott questioning his own decisions and th- making really dumb, really dumb, led to two interceptions. Um, and and in this moment. Brock Purdy was the game manager. That's all he needed to be that uh, that day was I need to take care of the ball, put my hands, put the ball in the hands of my playmakers and let's win this damn game. I do not need to do anything flashy. Let's go. And that was like, he didn't need, he didn't do anything flashy. And on the offensive side, that's what's won, what won them the game on the defensive side. It was, they stayed true to what they, we knew they were all year against and and on I mean in literal statistics a high powered Dallas offense. So uh, just I I'd be more worried about Dallas than I am of maybe San Francisco isn't that good because clearly they're good. I I look at it this way. You had a rookie quarterback in like what his like second or third game. So no, I mean, he's he's been there. He's played like se- this that. That's that's his second. seventh game. Sixth, okay, well, still, yeah. still, still, so like, much so that he's already an offensive rookie of the year finalist. Like, but like, regardless, well, yeah, he's he's only been he's only played six games. Yep, I don't expect him to score Tom Brady or Big Ben or Patrick Mahomes points. Mm -hmm. I expect him to just be methodical and make sure he's at least one point ahead of the other guy. Yep. Take care of the ball, score more points. Exactly. And so that's why I'm not surprised about how the scoring turned out. Mm -hmm. But what I am surprised about is that the Cowboys still can't pull pull their their head out of their ass. Nope. 
Mm-hmm. Far mm-hmm. enough to where they can actually win a damn game and not choke every playoff. Yeah. It, it, go ahead. You know how long it is. I told you. I don't. I think I told you there. I think. You know how long it has been since the Dallas Cowboys won a divisional round playoff game. I've seen something where the 49ers quarterback was not born yet. I wasn't <laughs> born yet. <laughs> yeah. So, it's been, it's January been... 1996. Yep. Oh, yeah, I wasn't born yet either. I was 13 months. Oh, you, you was just a baby, Darren. Hey. God. Consider <laughs> yourself old, Darren, because you're the oldest person here, and you were live when the Dallas Cowboys won a divisional playoff game. <laughs> Uh, How does that make you feel? Ow, making tentacles. <laughs> and on that note, I'm taking a drink of my energy drink. And that's not the last SpongeBob reference I have planned for today. Yes, oh, I have Lord. one planned. <laughs> oh, my Lord. He actually, pl- oh, God. <laughs> you, you'll know it when, you, when it comes to it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll also briefly, I'll just quickly mention the fact that you're right. We don't expect a a rookie quarterback making his first six starts uh, at the end of a season who was Mr. Irrelevant to, to, you know, be putting up high scoring numbers. Um, But that is frankly what he had done, you know, and been a part of for the last, you know, five games prior to this was point. He was part of a 35 point offense against the Tampa Bay. 21 points against the Seahawks, 37 on the Commanders, 37 on the Raiders, 37 on the Cardinals. Yeah, those were all very mediocre teams at best. Uh, but still, I mean, to have a rookie quarterback how I'm doing it, who was last dead last in the, you know, all of that, also cool. But no, you right, we wouldn't have ex- we wouldn't expect it, uh, and you wouldn't expect it to come in so seamlessly either. Uh, Not only that, but the the, the Niners' offense has gotten better mm-hmm. since he showed up. Yeah, and and that and it it further supports my longstanding point of uh, my stance of I of not throwing rookie quarterbacks into the fire right off the bat. Yeah, this this was a situation where he did, he wasn't going to be anyway because they already had a guy that they they already had two guys before him that they were like yeah these are the guys we'll go with beforehand but in in general if you've got the situation and and the the rookie quarterback will stand to benefit from being on the bench a little bit not getting thrown right into it see with the right the scenarios see the half a, half a billion dollar man yep. Patrick Mahomes sat his first year, and look what happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I just hope Kansas City gets blown out of water this weekend, and that'll make me happy. All right, let's move on to that game. Bengals at the Chiefs. So, taking it out of consideration, although we can't consider it, we can't leave it out that much, but it's a big deal, but trying to kind of distance ourselves from that. What do we make about this game? I'll start with you, Josh. What do you think about this Bengals-Chiefs game, knowing what we know about Patrick Mahomes' ankle? Bengals for the win. I feel like they're going to target 
Patrick as much as much as they can and his ankle, and they're they're gonna make his life a living hell this weekend. I I, th- I think that's the uh, obviously we don't mean specifically aim for his ankle, but in terms of you gotta you gotta put him in the uncomfortable situations, and that means forcing him to get out of the pocket, forcing him to to make those those on the fly move, you know, throws that he's known for making, but he's going to be doing it on a, on a limp ankle. And we saw how much, how much he had to, to change his, his gameplay in, in, you know, last week where he was having to make big hops in order to make stretch, stretch handoffs. And, you know, he he was having to be very cautious of of even making the two three yard run to 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 save him from getting a sack, um, or from getting sacked. So you you have you have to get that pressure, uh, and put him in that uncomfortable situation, uh, where where you normally might not because you know he's going to be able to make the play. In this case, he might not be he's probably not going to be able to make it as effectively, and you you should be able to capitalize on that. I agree. I, I, like I said, you can't ignore it completely, but this is like, it's, it's the biggest story of the whole deal. I think we all Mm -hmm. know that it's just a matter of, well, yeah, how stuff ends up working out, but yeah, um, it's, I really, yeah, I, I can't say any better than what you two did. I really can't. It's, uh, you know, you walk up with it pretty damn well. Hey, Outside of that, it's it's may, try to to limit Kelsey's effectiveness because you're not gonna you're not gonna get rid of it. No, you're not going to get rid of Kelsey, but you can you can limit the ways in which he can be effective, um, because that that's that's who he's going to be leaning on to, and that's who he has leaned on. Right, he, he's the top receiver, but that's who he's gonna lean on to to get him out of those situations. Um, I- so if you can if you can limit that and get rid of one away, get rid of one of his you know safety nets, it makes it a whole hell of a lot tougher. I think it comes down to who, which team runs the ball better, mm-hmm. and, and I mean that for two different reasons. One, the Bengals can pretty much do they did last week, and that is they take the game and, and really take pressure off of what will probably still be a banged up offensive line. And then for the Chiefs, don't ask too much out of Mahomes, like mm-hmm. just. Run the ball. If you can establish that early in the game and you can build off of that, you've got yourself a formula for success that allows Mahomes to get right for the Super Bowl, assuming you win the game. So, to me, I think it's going to be who runs the ball better. And that might be in situational football, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I still I still think it's gonna be a good game though. Oh, um, I, I, I think that's for sure. In fact, right. Vegas right now says we don't know who the favorite should be. It's an even spread. See, like I mean, I want it to be 49ers and Bengals in the Super Bowl. That that's 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 who, who we both picked. who we thought, yeah. Um, but trying to think on, on the betting that me and my brother does, I'm pretty sure I picked. The uh, Kansas City and the Eagles, because if if because if it goes that way, then I'll I'll be leading going into the <laughs> Super Bowl. 
by one point. So I know what I really want, but I also know what I want to win. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a conflict, internal yes. conflict. <laughs> Basically, yes. Let's talk about the other game then. Fortnite is going across the country to the, to the Eagles now. Darren and I have been kind of shitting on the Eagles the whole season. Mm-hmm. We don't think they're as good as, the, as everyone says they are. And we back that up with the traditional college football argument of they ain't played anyone yet. Mm-hmm. So, Darren, I'll ask you this. If the Eagles win the NFC, are we supposed to then start giving them credit? If you can if you can face the number one defense in the league and and and, and make them you know make them look like children, then I, I, I will I will give you credit. Uh, you know that that would be hard to ignore. I will still not believe you're as good as everyone thinks you are, but I will give you credit for for beating a team that was actually good, that was actually really good. I mean, again, some of the the teams beforehand were were solid, but like it's overall well built. The team that coming into the playoffs we thought was probably the the number one overall based on how they played. Uh, and th- that's that's the real big thing is like offensively in terms of raw stats, raw stats, the two offenses are effectively the same. There's like a tw- almost a 30-point difference in the entire season on points scored. But the defenses are where the story is. That's the that's what's going to make and make this, you know, make or break this game is the defense because San Francisco has given up 277 on the season, whereas Philly has given up 344. That's a 67, 67 point differential on the season. And we already know this, this offense, again, the offense is high powered. So at least on paper, the numbers lean towards San Francisco. But simply seeing how they played against uh, overall also makes me lean towards San Francisco because we've seen how they've played. We've seen what they've got, what they've, what situations they've been in and what they've made out of it and how their defense has still been the one to keep them in, uh, to keep them in situations, to give their offense every possible chance, regardless of who's a quarterback and let the quarterback be the game manager, let him play the safe plays, make the safe, smart decisions, and they'll carry you home. And I I stand by the belief that they'll do it today, this week too. So, base, so basically, just throw drag routes and slants all day and you'll, and you'll be fine. <laughs> if it works, it works. If it works, yeah. Exactly. If you could find the formula that works, stick with it until it doesn't work. And if that happens to be what works, then you know that you've done it, right? So let's just play devil's advocate here. I wonder for a quarterback. I wonder what the least amount of games has been. Shit, I don't know how to word this. The least amount of games a quarterback has played before going to the Super Bowl, like in the. 
I, like, I see where you're going with. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't how many games have they played prior? Yeah. Purdy's got to be. He's got. He's got to. Yeah. I, I think the num. Uh, no, wait, no. I'm thinking about a a Burrow comparison. Uh, with amount of you know playoff wins in first couple seasons. Uh, uh, on a rookie contract. So never mind. That's that's totally different thing. I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, I don't know that number. I'm sure. Yeah, I I would say he. I'm sure he's to, close to there. Yeah, he's close, if not the very. Um, also, did you know that Joe Burrow has more playoff wins now than the Bengals franchise did before he got there? Yeah, yeah that that was that was a part of the numbers I was thinking of there because it was like that, and then it was most playoff victories in the first couple seasons, and and it was like Dan Marino, him, somebody else who I forget, and you know all all. All four of them on the list were, were people who were going to end up being – well, three, the other three were going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure if Joey Burrow's career continues going the way it is, he'll be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. But the other – Dan Marino obviously is, and I can't remember the other two that were on the list, but they were certainly Hall of Fame uh, uh, contenders when the time comes. All right, I think I have it. I answered Josh's question. I think. Okay, so this is from 2013. Colin Kaepernick had nine starts uh, before he made the Super Bowl with the Niners. Jeff Hostetler and Vince Ferragamo are the only ones with fewer than nine. So the number is nine. If we're going by if we're going by that, oh excuse me, Hostetler, he, uh, he doesn't say. No, it just says how what what they what they did uh, prior. So mm-hmm. the number is less than nine. And oh, did he? Did me say? I'll find out. And uh, and Birdie has seven, so he's very high on that list. Yeah. So if he made oh. the, so if he made the Super Bowl, it would it would seem. Based on those numbers, it seems like he would be the one who did it in the least amount of start. Uh, start. Well, so, yes. so here, here's a little fun fact that uh, Jeff Hostet, Hostetler, Hostetler, yeah, he was the West Virginia Mountaineers football. Yes, he was. And do you yes, know who he married? No, but he beat the number nine 1982 Oklahoma Sooners. He <laughs> married Coach Don Nealon's daughter. That's oh, right. Really? That's yeah. right. And Leland was his head coach. So he married the coach's daughter. <laughs> Wonderful. Josh. Yes, I'm okay. looking up something. Okay. Well, I don't hear from you again <clears throat> what we just happened. What we just had uh, happen, I start thinking. Oh, I know. No, I'm looking at something. Alright. It 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 is football related. I'm just trying to find something. While you do that, Darren and I will keep talking. I'll answer yep. I'll ask Darren another question. Should I I'll take this straight from PTI. I'll be honest, I'll steal it from them. Uh should I well, I'll rephrase it a little bit. Should I be more confident in Brock Purdy as inexperienced as he is going against a decent Eagles defense? Or Jalen Hurts going up against that San Francisco defense. I 
I, I was reading something, I think it was this morning or yesterday, that was effectively going, basically putting the experience of Jalen Hurts against the relative inexperience of Brock Purdy. And I thought to myself, I don't think that matters. Simply because of the fact of how poised Purdy has been the entire time. I don't think, I don't think anything's going to phase him. And, and it all goes back to the, he understands what his role needs to be. And it still needs to continue to be, be the game manager. I think he's, I, I will, I will, believe he's capable of if he needs to he'll make that big play right he'll 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 take he'll take that step up if he needs to um but it's continue to play safe ball play smart ball get in the hands of playmakers i just to repeat the same thing because i i i believe he understands that i believe that's exactly what team on uh, knows will be you know will be done and will put them in the best chance of success um i i don't i don't know how hoach is going to handle that good of a defense that's not to say i think he'll be shaken up immediately and go oh gosh but i i want i am wondering how it will affect him once they've gotten to him once or twice like how that will change the way he approaches them. Right. And how much that affects the game. Um, so, because the, the, he hasn't really needed to be, he, he's made plays, right? He's, he's been a playmaker, but he's got 22 passing touchdowns on the whole year. He's been he's been efficient and safe with the ball too. To be fair, that's that's you know of the more important you know stat. Um, but it's you you him ineffective, and they've got to rely on the running game, which is a good running game. Sanders has been very effective, and he is a threat. Uh, but if you if you make them one dimensional, I don't know. I'm not confident that they'll be able to be effective if they're forced to be one-dimensional. I can agree with that. Josh, you back in your research trip yet? Almost. Okay. So, from what I had to do some digging, um, old Jeff here, I think he either played five or six games before he – Went went on to the Super Bowl and won in 1990. He, the Giants won the 1990 uh, Super Bowl against mm-hmm. the Bills, 20 to 19, and so I think it's like five or six because um, he had only started two games in his seven years as a backup with the Giants, but after the injury to Phil Sims, I it's weird to see that as when him, I'm just so used to Phil Sims as a TV analysts and not yeah. players. Some people are so old you forget they were players. Yeah, exactly. Others, you're like, oh yeah, he's definitely a player. So how does started... Carl Sims old? How could you? <laughs> I mean, this was 1990, so yeah. I wasn't born yet. Um, <laughs> so Jeff only played two games in seven years, 
and then he finished the season by winning their final two games, and then whatever, then like so it's about six or seven because because they had a because they was the number two seed so they had the first round by. So it'd be divisional, so yeah, about seven, about six or seven. And so that actually ties Purdy, don't it? That yeah, Purdy yeah. would tie that. Yeah, if, if they win the the title uh, the title game. There's your useless stat for today. <laughs> hey, we're all about useless stats over here. Yeah, look you look at how many stats AWS keeps up with that mean next to nothing, but they're still fun to see. <laughs> Good old Amazon. Yeah, they finally shipped my microphone. <laughs> I, I have to go back to Amazon this week. Well, that's right. That'd you do, so do that. Fun. Yep. I go there and fix all their stuff. <laughs> like about at least five times a week. But anyways. Anyway. So we're both in agreement here. Uh, 49ers by 50. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Good. Because I really wasn't going to take no for an answer. Uh, since we were talking about Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, those are the three finalists for MVP, am I right? Mm-hmm. So, here's the question. Who should win MVP? I'm joking when I say this, but Kenny Pickett. <laughs> oh. I... Um... Good. Honestly, I think Brock should. I mean, I know he didn't start a bunch of games and stuff, but he is offensive I mean, rookie of the year uh, 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 finalist. Yeah, I mean, he kind of just came out of nowhere, yeah. and and yeah. and I mean, the boy can play some ball. So I don't know. Cause, I mean, hurts. Yeah, whatever. Joey, he he's a good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't stand out to me. Like now, if he was, if he had a bad year, then yeah, that would stand out to me. Him having his normal good year, okay, that's <laughs> that's like Mike Tomlin always having a winning season. You know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I go with Purdy. I mean, I was probably a lot of people gonna be like, "What the hell is this guy thinking?" But I don't know. That's just who I go with. I, I also cannot stress this enough. Do not let Joe Burrow win the MVP. Yeah. Because that is a curse in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I yep. want my man to get a ring. <laughs> Not a yeah. damn MVP. Yeah. I, I I think it would be it would be dissolved if if uh, won it. But because of the fact that an MVP is a death sentence to a Super Bowl ring in the same season, he shouldn't get it. In in all in all honesty, Mahomes will probably win. Well, Mahomes should win it of the three. But because of the fact that as which you we both are, both maybe all three of us are in agreement, and and you've explicitly stated it, it's been all Philly all year, and despite the fact that Hurts' numbers are nowhere near the top of anything. And now he's also got two games left to show for it. We will, I will give him that, but it's still, it would not you give those two games. You still probably wouldn't be in, in the realm. Um, here's, here's what wins hurts MVP. The Eagles are 14 and one when he starts. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. 
That's it. That, that, that's it. Despite the fact that, like, it, it, literally, it has been. I've not even seen much hyping up uh, him for the MVP. That doesn't mean that it isn't out there. I just, I just haven't seen it. Just, you know, just but. It's I been it's all Mahomes all the sports in general. I just <laughs> I, I only when my team is playing do I pay attention. So I just, yeah, I'm sure there's some radio hosts in Philadelphia screaming at the top of his lungs saying that. Yeah, I just don't hear it. But but even on even on ESPN and, and Bleacher Report, it seems to be all Mahomes all the time, which leads me to believe it will end up being Mahomes. But I will not be surprised whatsoever when it ends up being Hurts, and I go, all right, there was a kiss his Super Bowl your chances goodbye. That's fine with me. Let me also remind you, this is a regular season award. Yeah. These folks have already been tallied up. Yep. So we find out on the NFL honors in the week before the game. Mm-hmm. So someone who's tallying up these folks, and it's not like the old-fashioned after mail, I'm sure they emailed them. Someone in the NFL office knows who the MVP is. They just can't say it. Yep. Just a reminder. So if you're looking at all... Oh, Big playoff MVP moment. Nope. Big playoff moment, not an MVP moment. Mm-hmm. Hey, Josh. Yes. Let's talk about racing. Ah, sure. Yeah. Hell yeah, we can. How about the race coming up this weekend? As I recall you saying it was this weekend. The oh. longest freaking race of your life. Well, it's one of the longest freaking races of your life. I mean... I mean, just to go off, you got the 24 hours of Le Mans, the 24 hours of Daytona, which is this. There's a lot of long races when it comes to the endurance racing, uh, you know, spectrum, genre, genre of the racing industry. Um, but so it's, give, me, give me a basic. I have on my screen here 24 hours of Daytona. I watched this. Not... I don't watch every single minute, but I watch this race. I watch every explain single minute and then have, some. Explain to those who have never heard of it just what the hell this race is. Well, this race, it's been around for a while. It, it's it been at the high bank since basically of Daytona since, well, Daytona's been there. Um, let me pull up something real fast because I was doing something out of the uh, I, I still thought we had a little bit more football to talk. So that's why yep. I, I had to go take care of something. But um, I'll put in some, I'll just say some filler shit until then. But basically, <laughs> when it comes to IMSA, or which is like sports car racing, it's not like NASCAR. It's you, the cars you see, especially in the, like the slower classes, are cars if you have the money. Like you can go out to the showroom and buy, like like Porsche, Ferrari, Camaro. At one point, the Dodge Viper. Like, there's been so many history, so many no, well-known automakers in this race. Like, um, like like the first race was in 1962, so it's 60 years old. Is that right? Yeah, 60 years old. So this is the 60th, 60th running of the 24 hours of Daytona. Um, but, shit, my brain's not working today, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, guys, I, 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 put, I put today off because of the rain because I wasn't going to work on semi-trailers today. And 
it has me all <laughs> sorts of screwed up. Um, but anyways, it's it's sports car racing. It's it's not NASCAR. I mean, yes, they are full full body fender vehicles, but they look cool. I mean, just to put it, you know, out there. Um, so you got the GTP, you got the LMP2, the LMP3, and then you got, well, this year you got 33 entries on both the GT Daytona classes with nine entered into the pro class for, for GTD and 20, oh shit, I'm, of course, I'm going off of the thing here because when it comes to road racing, you never know what's really going to happen. Who's going to be there, that sort of thing. Uh, this is going to be the debut of the LMDH Reds. It's going to be ran as the Grand Touring prototype. Um, it's, it's, it's a hypercar. Like, it's a hypercar class. So it, it's going to be kind of interesting. But also, this might be the first year where the overall winner is not from the main class. Like, normally, like... If, we go kind of back a few years because it's a little bit easier because once IMSA, once IMSA took over and it, it, it kind of changed a little bit. But ba- back in the late 2000s, you had the Daytona prototypes and the GT classes. The The DP cars were the fastest cars on track and it was the overall team, like the overall class. This year, you might very well have and what you would say a slower car be the overall winner. Because when it comes to road racing, it's not just one class on the track. It's sometimes four or five different classes. And each each class might be a little slower, might be a little faster, might handle different in corners. Like like the the LMDH cars are going to handle amazing in corners because they just got so much downforce. And, but then... Like the GTD Pro cars, they're going to be a lot slower. When you're watching this race, and I suggest everybody watch this race because it, it is it is a very interesting race. <clears> you would <throat> see cars from flying up on somebody else and like past them, like they're just sitting still, like basically like you're going during during rush hour traffic in Charlotte. So I mean, you know, that's really just the the the, the 24 hours of Daytona and really. All like the sports car type of series. Um, this is also the the first first of four rounds for the 2023 Michelin Endurance Cup. Um, that's going to start at Daytona, and there's three other classes. You got races. You got the the, the 12 hour Sebring in Florida. You got the, the six hours of Watkins Land. Then you got the Petit Le Mans at Road America, which I might go to this year. Because I'm only, I'm just right down the road from Road Atlanta to where I live out here, up here in Charlotte. It's only about a four or five hour drive down there. So, I, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's road course racing. It's not ovals. Granted, they do race at the high banks of Daytona, but they're running the infield road course, which is about 3.4 miles, 3.6 miles. And I've not missed a single Rolex 24 in the last Let's see, I'm 26. The last 10 years, I've watched every one of them from the green flag to the checkered flag in all 24 hours. So, let, let me, how do you win this race? Really? Well, where it's an endurance race, 
whoever makes it back to 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 the checkered flight at the at the end of twenty four hours, you're you're the winner. I mean, that's the whole principle of endurance racing. It's it's whose vehicle, whose race car can make it twice around that clock in, in changing weather conditions, changing track conditions. I mean, I, I've seen races where it pours down the rain, and then by the time they start across the checkered flag, it's 85 degrees. Like, <laughs> Welcome like, to Florida. Um, From the outside looking in, because I, 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 I follow racing to an extent, but not nearly as much as I used to, but I definitely grew up being heavily exposed to it. Also not realizing that there were races of this caliber. The point is, from the outside looking at it, it really sounds like it's, it's what team can manage their resources appropriately and you know, make the right decisions at the right time when it comes to the the changing environment, especially given that time frame, you know, that you're running these cars. And and I mean, and I mean, just so everybody knows, it's it's not sitting there racing the whole twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. These race teams come in with three or four or five different drivers. That um. It's like an extended in... relay race. <laughs> oh God! Don't you mention relay races? I, I'm still mad about regionals. A few years ago, still mad about regionals. <laughs> Damn it, Miss Lovins. Um, but just for the weather part, it's going to be 70 degrees on Saturday. Then it's going to be almost 80 on Sunday. Jeez. And there's a 20 percent chance of rain. 24 percent chance on. Well, yeah, there's a 20% chance of rain on Sunday as well. So we might see some rain rain racing, which will definitely throw a curveball in because they're going to come in for wet weather tires and all that. So it's going to be a good race. i I got to work both days, but I'm going to have it pulled up my iPad. I'm going to be watching it. And, it, you know, it's just another day in Daytona. Oh, yeah. Um. But speak. Uh, let's but let's switch some gears here. NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. NASCAR oh, has quick, actually. What's quick up? breaking news: the Mountaineers beat Texas Tech. Thank God, we're not part of the Big Twelve. <laughs> Thank God. Seventy-six, sixty-one. All right, that's news. We're not part of the Big Twelve. <laughs> well. Well, because of that breaking news, we, we, we need to kind of take we need we need to do something real fast. Hopefully, we don't get yelled at. But can I? Is it fair if I play a little bit of Country Roads? Take take this home. No. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Copyrights. <laughs> Sucks. Unfortunate. Way, basically, I, I, we're all singing in spirit. Yes. But um, there's also going to be like. Over 200 drivers at the Rolex 24. Wow. God. Yeah. Most teams are running about four four different drivers. I think I've seen a couple with like maybe just three. Um, there's not a major NASCAR presence this year. I know Haley Deaton's down there. There's a couple others. but Isn't Austin Cindric down there? Yeah. Yep. Austin Cindric can be one of the, be, can become the fourth different person to win the Daytona 500 or Rolex 24. Um, I remember at Mario Andretti, Jeff Gordon, and 
can't remember who the other person is. Uh, it, 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 the name has escaped me. But yeah, he if, if he wins, he's going to be in some very unique company being able to win both the roll at 24 and then the Daytona 500. Speaking of NASCAR, NASCAR has was doing a, a, a test out there in Phoenix this week this weekend. Phoenix or Las Vegas? I, I thought I'd seen Phoenix. one thing where it's, it's Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought I'd seen something where they was at Las Vegas as well. Oh, no, they took um, Jimmy out to, to Phoenix. Oh, did they really? Yeah. He hasn't well, given was... the next-gen car yet. He had to get a chance to get in that. That's true. Well, but um, they are testing mufflers for certain races, basically being the L.A. Clash and the Chicago Street Course race. So, you know, just kind of bring down the, the sound just a little bit. And, of course, there's already, there's already people complaining about it. Well, saying, yeah. oh, well, oh, well, that it, it, it sounds completely different in NASCAR time. Y'all, I couldn't tell a damn difference on it on the video that I've seen. It, it sounds it, about the same. Like, shit, it, it, the well, of course, again, I was young when I went to my last NASCAR race, but I'm going to be wearing ear protection anyway, so I'm not going to be able to tell a damn difference. If I did go to one today, I still would. Mm. Yeah, see, there, I've been to a few races, and my first race I went to, I didn't wear no ear protection. I still think I'm hearing the ringing from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me see. Yeah. Um, oh, and Chase Ellis can be running the Daytona truck race for uh, Bill Bill McNally. Hmm. I think he's going to be like in the 33, 34 car. I've seen it earlier today. I've not seen it since. So, um, let's see. Let's see here. I'll see if I can pull it up real fast. Yeah, the the, the thirty-five Chevrolet, thirty-five Chevrolet truck, Chase Elliott. Yep, yep. He's going to be well, because basically the the uh, Jack Garcia, who's going to take over driving duties. Uh, he's not old enough to race at Daytona. He doesn't turn eighteen yet. Wait, so. Wait. There's actually a limit. Yeah, yeah. You can thank Kyle Busch for that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, he uh, many, many, many years ago, Kyle Busch showed up for a truck race at 16 years old, and NASCAR was like, "No, I'm sorry." And then, which prompted a rule change. Sounds about right. But um, if you're under the age of 18, you can race on the short tracks and I think road courses. But not the big, so. not the big track. <laughs> exactly. So. But um, but yeah, um, I don't think there's. It's been a very kind of quiet week this week in the land of auto sports. Um, That'll change. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, really, the Rolex Twenty Four is the kickoff. Because you got the Rolex Twenty Four this weekend, the Clash at the LA Coliseum the following weekend, then the Super Bowl, and then we got the date, and then we got NASCAR Super Bowl. So big times, big times. Uh, we got. We got the two Super Bowl Sundays in a row. So let us speak. since you since you could up an interesting fact, I could let you claim that as as your next thing. But we're going to do some new segment on the show. If we're going to end the show with what I learned this week, it doesn't have to be anything about sports. It can just be anything that you learned that you think is interesting that you'd like to share. I could let Josh claim that as something he learned, but I'm not. Because uh, <laughs> I can be a jackass sometimes. Well, <laughs> so 
I'll I'll kick this off. I learned this week, and you it'd be cool if you phrased it like that. But it's it, not. I'm not gonna be like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna get down your throat over it. But just it's kind of funny. What I learned this week is that Georgetown men's basketball broke a 29 game Big East conference losing streak with a win over DePaul last night. That's the longest in conference history. Wow. Georgetown had not won a conference game since March of 2001. Didn't Georgetown used to be really freaking good? Yeah. The hell happened? Why, why was Things that the assumption that they were just recently good? They did. They made the conference championship game. They won the, they won the Big East tournament in Patrick Ewing's like first, second year there in 2021, and then it went downhill from there. Wow. So, Jared, well, what did you learn this week? <clears throat> what I learned in boating school today <laughs> is... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, I should have uh, realized that. Be- because I'm a big node. Um, so, the, a report came out in Nature Science, one of the, or the largest impact journal in all of all of publications. Um, if you're a scientist, you strive to publish there, and very few do. Um, this one comes in in the world of fossils. They so you're you're both aware of those amphibians that look like worms, but are actually just legless amphibians. Yes, they're mm-hmm. called. Now I believe I'm pronouncing this right. They'll it's pronounced. Sicilian, but it's C-A-E instead of how you would think like, you know, Sicily. Um, they uh, recently, or just today, actually, a pub- uh, the paper was published uh, where they have shown, or they found 75, 76 individual fossilized remains dating back over 220 million years ago. Um, and prior to those findings, the oldest one found was sitting around 185 million. So we now have evidence that these animals existed 35 million years ago, uh, further back in history than we believed them to. I just find that wonderful. I love where this is going. I really do. <laughs> On that same point, and this is kind of what I was going for, it could be a, a means of, of discussion about things that aren't sports. doesn't always have to be a, you know, spit something out and then we're done with it. Uh, to, that, to that end, in uh, Raleigh County, West Virginia, and WVVA had a story about this I saw on, uh, on last week on the news. My dad was watching the news. They found a fossil in the 1980s in a coal mine, estimated to be 315 million years old. Wonderful. I think I've seen that. What mm-hmm. What was What was the fossil of? Did do you... uh, I'm reading the article right here. Ba, 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 ba. So they thought it was a sea turtle at first. Sea turtle. Uh, ah, no. He is the the geologist said it's more likely a common plant called a calamite stem. 
Hmm. More commonly, that's what it is. So yeah, I'd I'd like to find a historic plant somewhere. I'll send you all a picture of, of this when I can when I can find it. I can't do it from my computer right now, mm-hmm. but uh, I will send one to you in due course. But yes, that is the uh, that's to follow up on Darren's thing. Not yeah. my one thing I learned, but still to follow up <laughs> on it. Kind of interesting. That <clears> happened <throat> in Raleigh. I mean, when's the last time we had something like archaeology, like paleontological stuff in in Raleigh County, West Virginia? <laughs> it it's to. It would have if that would have been a to a, a sea total. It would have it that one would have been the oldest sea total discovered because I think at this point the oldest sea total fossil known uh, is uh, around 120 million years. Oh well, and that was like eight years ago. So as far as I'm aware, that would have been the oldest if it was a total, which yeah, I'm sure they they determined it was not. Of course, I mean. Just granted on how old the Appalachian Mountains are, you know, yeah. it, would, it would have to be a pretty damn old terminal. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess I do what I learned today, yeah. this week. I learned that Volvo now has remote-controlled semis. Huh. Um, basically... It's, it terrifies me because I, I I work I work on Volvos. They are the biggest pieces of junk I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I hate working on them because they have different size screws in about the same damn spot. I'm just like, really? And but I mean, now this is more the European Volvo because it was a cab over, and we don't really use cab overs anymore in the states. Um, so the European side of Volvo. Uh, basically, if the truck driver is driving in places <clears throat> where they have to back up or, you know, constantly get out and check to see where their wheels are, that sort of stuff, they have a box that they put around their neck and dr- basically remote control that bitch. Like, <laughs> and that terrifies me. Yeah. As much as I, it's the same way how I feel about remote control trains. I was going to say, they, they do that. They do that. Like, like, I mean, Volvo's very proud of this. Like, I saw, I think on TikTok. In practicality, it seems like it, it's a very practical use. I can also understand perfectly well why that could be terrifying as well. Let's yeah, also I know. let's let's bring this up because rail, railroads have done this since probably about the turn of the century, the twenty first century. Uh, but they have something where. I forgot what the, the it's called the uh, the man down test. Mm-hmm. Basically, before when the when the uh, person they use this mostly in yards, not not on the main line or anything, but in yards. Not yet, at least. Different day. Well, <laughs> actually, I have something I can reboot, 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 whatever. I can argue with that about the remote controlled freight trains, but I'll let you a little bit. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> Right now, as a safety measure, the person who is operating the locomotive that has these, you can tell when the locomotive has this because there's like two flashing orange lights on top of the cab. That's the the indicator that that locomotive has the ability to be remote control. And the guy wears a big freaking harness with big freaking controls on it. And every time before they start out, 
they have to do a man down test where basically the it tests the uh, capacity with, within the equipment to recognize <clears throat> that the crew member has fallen on the ground and that stopped the train in case something happens. That's I'll the pop over and I, can't get back up. I hope that they do something like this for Volvo. Mm-hmm. Because I, 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 look, you forget when I go by a train, you, you lose that battle every time. You're probably going to lose that battle with semi more often than not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's I hope that I, I, I don't, I'm not accusing Volvo of not, of not excluding anything. I'm just saying I hope if they haven't that they do. Mm-hmm. It, it, well, I would say that's an appropriate uh, safety measure. I mean, they do have construction equipment that already has this technology on it. They're like little compactors. Um, and there's a sensor, like a big giant eye on both sides of it. That, and if it gets too close to somebody, it stops. It actually shuts off. Huh. And yeah, I, I used to work on them. They're, they're interesting little critters. But actually, they do exist on mainline activity. But it's not in the States. It, it's, it's in the land down under of the land of Australia. That sounds about right. The the big Rio Tinto or or trains, when they're going through the outback, they are remote controlled. Well, they like GPS satellite robot robots basically. That once they get out out of the yards and stuff, they go fully autonomous and they just cruise. And it, and it's not like this, and it's not just only for one train. There's multiple trains on this line that float back and forth. If you want to get technical about it, there is already a remote-controlled train on the main line. Distributed power. What is it? Distributed power. Oh, well, yeah. If you, well, if you yeah. want to get technical about it, that's radio, but it's basically the same thing. Oh, yeah. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, distributed power is, if you've ever seen a freight train in the last five years or so, <clears> that <throat> It looks like it feels like it keeps going forever and ever and ever, and there may be a locomotive or two on in the middle of the train or in the on the back of the train. That's what's known as distributed power. Instead of putting all the locomotives on the front of the train, we put some in the, <clears throat> in the middle or some on the rear, and those locomotives are controlled by the head by the leading locomotive in the cab, and they send radio signals back to those, and they can be controlled to do whatever you want. So. They can just keep pulling, or let's say you're going up a hill, and the and the front of the train is already crested the hill, but you don't need all that pulling power to go downhill. You can program the distributed power to be the same as what the lead engine is doing, and keep pulling. Or you can, or like the lead engine is going downhill, you can set the distributed power units to keep pulling their part of the train up the hill until it gets to a certain part where the train is now, where they're over the, t- the top of the hill and they're all cruising downhill. It makes train handling easier, and railroads say that it helps get trains where they need to go fast. Freightman needs to go faster. We can do that all day long. Bullshit. Uh, Bullshit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's supposed to help handle a train better. It's what it's supposed to be. And it's supposed to help things be safer, but then again, you get a two-mile-long freight train, things happen. <laughs> There's a law of averages. 
if you get two miles of freight train, a lot of evidence says there's going to be a better chance there's a bad apple in the bunch somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, <clears throat> shit, guys. So that is what we learned this week. And speaking <laughs> of this week, our episode is over for this week. We'll be back next week to discuss the conference championship games and get a preview of that big game down in Arizona in two weeks' time from Sunday. So, for Josh and Darren, I am Lucas. This has been Season 3, Episode 24 of the Scientific Coaching Podcast. Josh, we should have started you this week. We have the card numbers of Jeff Gordon and Dale Lockhart Sr. <laughs> praise Dale, praise Dale. Woohoo! We'll be back next week, everyone. Darren, even though we got Josh, I'm still going to let you end like this. Darren, take us home. Adios, everybody. <laughs>